in three, in two, and one. Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here, the appraiser's advocate. Thanks for sitting down with me today to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for your kindness. Today, we're going to talk about being large and in charge. I recently got an email from Ben, and he was asking about forms, form reports, form form reporting of the appraisal itself. And he was asking specifically about bifurcated appraisals and hybrid appraisal reports. We're going to go into those, although not in this particular podcast. But my response generally to Ben was that the appraiser is in charge. This is what I mean by large and in charge. The appraiser is in charge of the appraisal. What we're going to do is we're going to go through a series of questions. I'm not going to answer them yet. Remember that the responses to these questions are basically the client, the appraiser, the AMC, the lender, the state appraisal board, the appraiser supervisor or mentor, the reporting form, or none of these. So as we go through these questions, those are the potential answers we're going to be taking a look at. So here are the questions. Who is it who determines the assignment's results? Second question. Who determines if, in an appraisal assignment, an extraordinary assumption or a hypothetical condition is necessary for credible assignment results? In proposed construction, who determines when a feasibility analysis or a feasibility study is necessary? Who sets the intended use of the appraisal? Who determines what the scope of work is in the typical appraisal report? That's a common question. Uh, get, we get that one all the time. Next, who determines what will or will not be a part of the appraisal work file? Next. In the appraisal of a to-be-built, custom-designed house, who is it who identifies the appraisal problem to be solved? Consider this one. Who determines if a client's objectives cause assignment results to be biased? Then there's this question. Who chooses the reporting form by which the appraiser communicates the appraisal to the client? That's another big one we get all the time. I like this one. Who identifies the intended use of the appraiser's opinions and conclusions? Who identifies the relevant characteristics of a property? That's interesting. It might even be necessary to ask what those relevant characteristics are. But assuming that we all know that, again, the question is, who identifies the relevant characteristics of a property? Then how about this one? Who identifies the effects on use and value of any and all existing land use regulations as part of the determination of highest and best use? Who collects, verifies, and analyzes all information necessary for credible assignment results? Who determines which of the three approaches to value is or are relevant to any particular appraisal assignment? Who chooses the weight to assign to a particular approach or to a particular sale when concluding a credible value? 
And then here's the last question. Who chooses to accept as competent the work in an appraisal done by other appraisers and or contractors? Again, let's go back. Here are the potential answers. The client, the appraiser, the AMC, the state appraisal board, the appraiser's supervisor or mentor, the reporting form itself, or potentially none of these. Every one of these questions is something that is going to come up a lot in every appraisal assignment we do. Every one of these questions has its base in USPAP. In fact, some of them I quoted directly out of USPAP because they were very similar to the questions I got, so I just related them back to USPAP so they'd have some USPAP relevance. Here's the key. Even though those are all separate questions, even though those questions have to do with the appraisal, with the relevant physical characteristics of the property, with highest and best use, with the reporting vehicle by which the appraiser communicates the appraisal to the client, the answer to every one of those questions, without exception, without fail, is simply the appraiser. That's what I mean by large and in charge. The appraiser is in charge. The appraiser determines every one of those, not the client. The client doesn't set the intended scope of work. The appraiser does. Now, the client can say, appraiser, I'd like you to do this, this, and this, and not do that, that, and that. The client has the right to ask. But in the end, the appraiser is large in the sense that he or she is the gatekeeper between that appraisal assignment, that appraisal request, and the final appraisal report getting to the client. And the appraiser is in charge in that the appraiser says, I'm going to put it on a bifurcated appraisal or a hybrid appraisal form. I'm going or I'm not going to do a bifurcated appraisal here. I'm going to inspect the property myself, or I'm going to send an associate, or I'm going to hire a contractor to go out and inspect the property. I'm going to take the photos myself, or I'm going to send out a contractor or an associate to take the photos, etc. The appraiser is large and in charge, no matter what the client wants to think, no matter what the AMC wants to think, no matter what the lender wants to think. We sign the certification. The client does. Therefore, the point of all this is, because we're large, because we're in charge, because it's up to us to determine what constitutes the appraisal, it's up to us to constitute what goes out in the appraisal report, therefore, let us do it in such a manner that it provides the client with the greatest possible benefit for what they're willing to pay us. I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Again, this is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. Contact me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It'll be a pleasure to deal with you. Again, thank you for listening. My best to you and my best to your family. Oh, and by the way, are your professional appraisal fees high enough?